Welcome to 24 Karat Conversations with Phyllis and Rhonda, where two best friends decided to start a podcast on real women, real friendships, and real issues. Our mission Bible verse is Job 23.10. Yet he knows the way I have taken, and when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We want to encourage, inspire, and offer hope in a world where life can seem to be unrealistic. Be a support for you to cheer you on as a wife, mother, daughter, sister, and friend. Most of all, you get to relax and laugh with us about all things women. Plus, we like all things sparkly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hello, 24 Carat Tribe. Hey, peeps. We are super excited today. Um, We have Tanya Andre Montgomery. I'm going to butcher your, how can I butcher your name right now? Montanez. Montanez. I'm like, right. here I am, this Mexican girl going to butcher my Latina <laughs> friends. Messed it up. How that happened. <laughs> okay. um, she is an anti-human trafficking missionary and a at-church to sexual, child sexual abuse survivor who travels throughout the U.S. and internationally with her nonprofit, The Movano Project sharing her testimony. She shares her transformational message of being a victim to a survivor and now a thriver. She has um, disruptively obeyed God and stepped into her purpose. And Tanya has been featured on TBN Salsa, the Trinity Broadcasting Network, and has spoken at women's conferences, nonprofit organizations, schools, and churches. She has been honored by congressional recognition sealed by the U.S. Congress and signed by Florida Congresswoman Frederica Wilson. Tanya has a BA from Lee University in ministry leadership, and she's married to Reginald, and together they own Arc Solvers, which is a cybersecurity and information technology service. And they share a lifelong commitment for helping their community achieve family values, integrity, generosity, and gratitude. So welcome, Tanya. We're so happy to have you on today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor um, to meet you both and to be able to have this amazing and very important conversation. Yes, definitely. And I know that um, the month of January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month, correct? Yes, it is. It is Human Trafficking Awareness Month in which we try to dedicate this month to continue to be a voice really for us the entire year is human trafficking awareness but we really try to push the message in january um since we we want to honor that so yeah that's awesome so we just want to start out by um asking you a little bit about your story and how it evolved into the mission that you are on right so in the bio that you read i i am what it's kind of new. They call a church to survivor. So it's basically similar to a me to survivor, um, which is a group of women who have been abused by some type of clergy or person within their church community. Um, more, the more and more I actually talk about it, the more and more I, I have been meeting so many women who have a similar story to mine, who have also been abused within the church context. So to give you a little bit of history about myself, um, I was born in Puerto Rico, so I'm Puerto Rican. I know we we spoke about that. (laughs) That's why you like her. (laughs) That's my girl right there. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm Puerto Rican, and I was raised into, because I think this is really important, um, into a very Pentecostal 
um, Christian family. Like growing up, all I knew was ministry. My aunt was a gospel singer. My dad was a pastor, evangelist, missionary. My uncle was a pastor, evangelist, missionary. My aunts were all serving at some type of level of ministry at a church. So I was literally born into what you would probably think is the safest community and, and the safest family, you know, um, you would, you would think and you would imagine that. Um, and ever since I was a little girl, I always remember my mom telling me, Tanya, you're born to be a leader. Um, you're born to be a leader. You, you like, you're born into this, you know, into this family. Have you guys seen Encanto? (laughs) Yes. Yes. The family with the gifts and, you know, the family with the gifts and, and that really, that pressure was really put on me at a very, very young age. Well, I think that the enemy also knew that my life would, would turn out into a life of meaning and purpose because at the age of three years old, I, in front of my grandmother's house in Puerto Rico, um, my dad parked in front of her house. And then my uncle came in a van full of my cousins, um, all of my cousins. And they were my best friends at the time, you know, growing up, your cousins are your best friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I literally at three years old crawled out the window of my dad's car by the passenger side. So I crawled out the window. And when I crawled out window, I landed on the street to try to cross over to go greet my cousins. Well, at that moment and at that time, a car came and struck me and it struck me 20 feet away from my parents, my grandparents' house. And at that moment, according to the testimony of my dad and my uncle, I was dead. I wasn't breathing. Nothing was happening. So they immediately took me in a car. Um, Back then, the ambulance wasn't something that you really call, you know, in Puerto Rico. So they literally put me in their car and they drove me to the nearest hospital. And in the car, my uncle, who's actually currently a pastor in Puerto Rico, um, he prayed over me. And he declared that the enemy would take his hand out, away from my life, away from my body, and that God would give me life. So they share that at that moment, I started to cough. And many of us know that when you cough, it's really a sign that breath has now entered your body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we believe as a family, and I honestly believe that God performed a miracle in my life, even at that age of three years old, um, that the enemy knew that when, you know, when all of us, you know, come into this world, we all have a plan and we all have a purpose. And if the enemy can't kill you physically, he will try to kill you emotionally. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And at, at that moment, he failed with the physical, praise God, he failed with the physical, but then later in life, Um, He tried to kill me with the emotion, which was my church to hurt and experience. I was abused by the son of a pastor at a church in which we were going to um, at the time. And that's kind of where my journey really began of just bad decisions, 
bad, uh, a history of just bad relationships, self-destruction, not believing that I had a plan, not believing that church was a safe place anymore. Um, not understanding why God would allow this to happen, um, in my life and really feeling like the black sheep in my family. Cause can you imagine being surrounded by so much, um, influence in the Christian community? And yet I'm sitting behind the scenes, totally hurt and totally distraught by the Christian community. Um, so it was a struggle. And so can I ask, like, when did you finally come forward with, um, sharing what had happened to you? So I was about 35 years old when I came out to my family. So to give you some statistics, um, there is a large percentage of women. It has actually been proven. um, And this has been proven, if I'm not mistaken, by the National Children um, Association of Exploited Children. Um, And I believe I said that right. Um, It's called NECMEC. But Many women don't come out about abuse until after 50 years old. That is actually why um, a couple years ago, especially when the Jeffrey Epstein case came out, they hired the statutes of limitations in certain cities and certain states so that you can begin to um, press charges Mm -hmm. on your on your um, on your abuser. Because, you know, statistics shows that it isn't until after 50 that women come to a point of wanting to talk about it. Um, So imagine all the abusers that have literally passed away and survivors are left dealing Mm -hmm. with the pain. Um, So I was 35 years old. And at that moment in life, I was in the peak of my career. Um, I devoted my life to my career. Um, God gifted me with the gift of marketing and communicating and sales. So I grew within the property management industry, training um, leasing agents, how to train apart, how to lease apartments and creating marketing plans so that all of our communities would be full. And I was literally traveling all over the U.S. um, doing that for very fortune 500 companies. I'm from Miami, Florida. And if you, if you don't know, I'll I'll kind of paint you a picture. I was living in a 15 story high rise right in front of the beach called Sunny Isles beach. Google it, look it up. It's beautiful. And, um, really just overlooking the porch and the, and the ocean, you know, and living the life. But can't hate that. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, but some people will call my life um, the life. But at that point in time, to be honest, ladies, my outside looked amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, people thought I, I I was good. I had my name brand purses. You know, I had my name brand. You know, uh, clothing and all yeah. kinds of stuff that just really made me look very um, very pristine. You know, and 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 very career minded. Um, but I was dying inside, mm. literally dying a slow death. And so one day I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, I, I woke up and I felt like bricks had literally like God had laid some bricks all on top of my body and I couldn't get up. And I called my mom and I said, mom, I'm done. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm done. I can't go to work anymore. I can't do this anymore. Um, and like every parent would, she's like, you're crazy. <laughs> you know, you're, get you're, back out there and do it, girl. Because you're not coming right. home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she's 
like, you know, put your big girl's panties on and yeah, just get exactly. out there. Get out there. But, you know, that wasn't my big girl panty moment. Right. Um, and, and later I'll share what that moment was, but I did, I quit my career. I quit my job and I literally sat in bed. I remember that whole entire day just praying and saying, God, what are you doing? And what are you going to do next? And I remember hearing that soft voice in my heart, just kind of saying, do you want to live or do you want to continue to die? this slow death that you're dying. And I was like, God, I want to live, you know, throughout my whole life, even though I had so many questions of what had happened to me, I knew that God was real. I knew that God was a good God because I, I, I was always good at, at kind of identifying, well, this is the enemy, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and this is God and it's not people's fault. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, it's not God's fault. It's people, right? People who fail God and they fail, uh, to pursue God's plan, you know, and, and they go against God. So I was kind of good at that. So I just kind of prayed out and I was like, God, I'm tired. What are you doing? So I heard the instruction to say, to go sell jewelry. And I was like, well, I did really good in marketing for about 17 years. I was like, this is amazing. I can probably build my own business. I'm like, yay, God wants me to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> you know, like this, this entrepreneur. So I did. I started, I started selling jewelry to friends, family, co-workers. And I probably paid my bills for like the first six months of me doing that. And then it, it was just gone. You know, the people weren't buying as much anymore. You know, I, I didn't build up a clientele to sustain. And again, I said, God, you did not call me to lose my job and start selling jewelry for nothing. Like there's something more going on here. And he was like, yeah, there is. He's like, I want you to go sell jewelry in front of a strip club in the parking lot. And at this moment in my life, so just to give you a, a quick uh, kind of like a, a backdrop of what was happening personally, I had rededicated my life to the Lord. I started consistently going back to church and I was a discipleship teacher at the church leading new believers <laughs> to the Lord <laughs> when God tells me that I have a better place than a strip club. Yeah. <laughs> When God tells me I have to go sit in front of a parking lot of a strip club. And I was like, God, what are people going to say? Mm. The strip club actually happened to be down the road from the church that I was attending at the time. I said, when people drive by here to go to church or for anything, they're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to gossip about me, which they did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're going to talk about, you know, they're going to talk about me to my pastors and who knows what else. Well, Um, at that moment I did go to my pastors and I I did say, Hey, I feel this is what God wants me to do. And very shocked. And even though they didn't know what to say, they kind of gave me their blessing and they were like, if that's how you feel. Okay. You know, they didn't know how to react to that. Honestly, they were like, Oh, okay. If you hear God's voice, how can we argue with that? Right. Right. And, and I'm kind of glad that they didn't because that was, I would say that was my big girl panty moment. Mm. Um, I stood out there in the parking lot of a strip club for six months, 
selling jewelry um, out of the trunk of my car. Now I'm also raised in the Bronx. So seeing that was kind of common, you yeah. know, <laughs> people selling stuff. At the selling stuff out of your car. You're like the Jenny from the block. <laughs> right, exactly. Except without all the gold. Without exactly. The gold. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, I was I was used to seeing it, even though I never thought I would actually be the one doing that. But I did. And six months later, the owner of the strip club comes out and he says, you know, I really like your work ethic. He goes, you've been selling jewelry outside in this parking lot every single night. He goes, I've prepared a table for you in the locker room so that you can go inside and sell jewelry to the girls inside the locker room. Now, you know, the scripture that says that God will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And that is exactly what the Lord spoke to my heart. And I almost felt like a hand behind me that said, go and just kind of pushed me inside those doors, you know, and I did. And even though I wasn't living a perfect life before, I, I didn't know about strip clubs except for what I would see on Jennifer Lopez videos, you know, yeah. like Pitbull or, you know. Right. not calling her a stripper. Yeah. <laughs> well, she did do that movie. Yeah, she did do Hustlers. So. Did do like, being real. Yeah. She was acting, guys, acting. Yes. <laughs> She's defending J-Lo right now. Right. I don't want to get sued. No, no. Love my girl. So if she listens yeah. to this, it's okay. You're, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, um, I went, I went in and sure enough, they had a table. And if you go on my website in the about us page, you see the picture. It was a little table, you know, the little tables that you put in front of yourself when you're going to eat, like in your sofa. Oh yeah. 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 A TV tray. Yeah, I'm yeah, not like gonna lie. Table. I'm yeah, in transition. Up on. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. I'm in transition with my office right now, and I literally have one of those tables. That <laughs> <was here. laughs> you see? You, yeah. So, so I have one of those tables. They had laid one of those tables in the corner, and then they put a little chair on the side, and they said, "Okay, so you can lay your jewelry out here." And I was like, "Oh my God, what are you doing?" So I did, but. At the same time, you know, God was very clear of his instruction for me. Um, he really instructed me to be quiet, to be silent, and that this was really a time of just taking in my surroundings and listening, listening to what he was trying to show me. So I have a hat that you can also see on my website um, that I used to wear every single night. And it's a pink hat that had a cross on it because I would pray over that hat. And every night I'd wear it kind of like God's covering over, over me and over my life. And I'd sit in a little corner and the girls would come by and they'd sell, they'd buy the jewelry. And I wasn't selling anything extravagant. I was selling like custom, you know, five, $10, $20, you know, kind of jewelry things that you would get. Um, so they would come and they buy the jewelry. And then for a while I was still like, okay, nothing's happening. Um, but then I started to listen. I started to listen to the voices and the stories of the things that they said once they passed a certain time limit. Mm 
within the night, you know, cause a lot of the girls, they have to get drunk or they have to get high. They have to take a pill. They have to do something to remove themselves outside of the reality that they were living. Um, so I did. And what I started to listen to hear were stories that were very similar to mine's um, stories of abuse, stories of pain, of of just being, you know, in enslavement. Um, and we all know that we don't have to go through the same pain to understand that pain is a common denominator that unites so many people. You know, we have all gone through some level and experienced pain. So I just really got to, to hear the girls and God just started showing me like, you know, all those years that you cried, that you were angry, that, that you didn't understand why things were happening to you or why did this happen to you? Um, he was there, he was listening, but he was also kind of letting me know you could have been here. Mm -hmm. This could have been your path. You know, if, and the only thing that really separated me from those girls is that I had a knowledge of who God was. Mm, yeah. I knew who Jesus was from a very young age. And a lot of times when people in the church would get to this point of being so religious, of being so out of touch with reality and humanity that we fail to realize and see that we are just like the world. We're sinners saved by grace and we need a savior. Yeah. Mm, oh, preach girl, that. preach. Oh that is gosh. so true. Yes. There absolutely. was a couple of things like I wanted to kind of touch upon because I think it's super important um, for people listening is like in the beginning when you were in that accident and you said that your uncle prayed over you, like you were going to be this miracle baby, right? And you coughed and you lived and that was all great. I think that the biggest takeaway from that is that God did save your life, but that doesn't mean your life goes without pain from there on. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, like Christian people think if I pray hard enough, if I pray over this child, if I pray over this person, if I pray over my life, you know, I'm so special, you know, I've been raised in the church. God knows me. God loves me. My life is going to be, you know, if that miracle happens, that means my life is smooth sailing. And that's just not true. He has other things down the road and he placed you in a place. The second thing was he placed you in a place that most people would never even set foot in much less stand in inside the building of. And what I loved is that you heard God's voice saying, shut up and listen, Just listen, because it's not about like, I know somebody could have taken that in a completely different context and said, this is my opportunity to go place tracks in there and go pray over these people and talk about Jesus and Jesus and Jesus and Jesus, you know, and it's like, they're not ready to hear that yet. They need to see Jesus in you. And so by you being quiet and wearing your little hat and the, and the way you stood with those women and just was, they're like, wow, she's just like us. Like she's not. And plus you got to hear things that you have never heard before of how people suffer. And, you know, people like to look at 
people like strippers or a drug addict or all these people that we don't relate to and say, you know, why are they doing that? They're just awful people or they're evil people, but you don't sit and figure out like, why did they get to the place Mm -hmm. to there's a reason. And so I love (laughs) two analogies. I wanted to really make point of is that he brought you through certain things that were not, that were horrible for you, but then use them for you to sit back and listen and go, huh, we're all the same. It's just, if I take this road instead of this road, and how do I get that person back on the other road? Mm -hmm. Being their friend by being somebody they trust by listening and sitting with them. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Praise God. And Tanya, I'm sure, I'm sure you heard so many stories of why they were there, right? Like you don't just become into that industry because that was your lifelong goal, you know? So I'm sure as you sat and listened, you were able to hear the stories behind these women. And I know that when we had talked initially, you had shared a story about a woman who came in and was being chased. Can you share that with us as well? Yes, sure. So a lot of stories, um, but you're right. I never heard any of the girls say this was my choice. Mm-hmm. Sorry, they might be out there. And if you're listening and you're one of those women, I just didn't hear it. So I can only speak on what my experience was. Mm-hmm. Um, but one day um, I was in the back and again, just being silent and just believing God for the night and one of the girls, I I was never up in the front, so I didn't really get to see a lot of like the dancing and like the party scene. Mm -hmm. Um, that really wasn't, I was definitely not interested in that, but, um, I, I could see when the girls would come from the front to the back. And I remember one of the girls just running, um, running and just screaming out of her mind. And immediately I felt the Holy spirit just come over me and say, go like, this is your time. This is your moment. And I was like, okay, God, like, what do I, what do I do? Um, it kind of felt like, have you guys ever heard of stories of people getting hit by a car and someone comes and like picks up the car, you know, like a, like your adrenaline. Yeah. Like an adrenaline kind of a thing. So that's how I felt. And I did, I grabbed this girl and I pushed her inside one of the showers in the locker rooms. And I started to pray over her and I, and I started to pray in in, in the Holy spirit, because I mean, literally at that moment, that's what you need. Mm -hmm. You need the Holy spirit, you know? So I just, I just hovered her and, and I hugged her. Um, and I was just praying for her, praying for her, and I was shielding her. And as I was praying in the background, I can hear this man stomping on the walls, like, you know, uh, opening, opening showers and doors and trying to find her. And can you believe, ladies, this man did not find us. This man did not find us. And I'm going to tell you, I walked out of that day traumatized. Um, almost, I walked out of that day completely asking God, God, why, why did you allow me to do this? Why would you put me again Mm -hmm. in a situation where I would lose my life, where I could possibly could have been the one to have lost, lost my life. And once again, I hear that softness, that still voice of God just saying, because that's what I would do. 
because that's what I did mm-hmm. for those who were vulnerable, because that's what I did for the sinners, because that's what I did for the world. I put myself in a place where not just could have, he lost his life. He lost his life for us. And when he spoke to me in that moment and my eyes just opened up and he was like, this is your purpose. You need to go out and you need to tell people what is being done to my children, what is being done to, to my daughters, you know, what is being done to the vulnerable, um, to the marginalized, you know, what is being done to the less than. And I, ever since that day, it was like, God just increased a bonus inside of me. And after that moment, Um, the entire time I was doing the strip club was two years, but after that moment, I did become more of a voice inside the locker room. Mm. I did begin to pray more with the girls. I did, because that was the time that was Mm. God's instruction. You know, that, that was the time God said, okay, now you can share. Now you can. Well, you went into battle with that girl. So they saw that. Right. Right. So it was, it was incredible. And, and Back then, human trafficking wasn't being spoken about. This was back in 2009. I didn't even know what I was seeing. You know, I didn't even know that I was in the middle of it or that I was seeing, you know, traffickers. And, you know, why would five girls call the same guy their boyfriend? I didn't understand it, you know, or why would I meet a girl from DR who would then tell me, oh, I'm only here dancing because I have to pay my boyfriend back. I'm like, what boyfriend would do that? You know, like in my mind. So that is all the trafficking industry. Yeah. Right. That's that's what it is. And Um, I think I not just to interrupt you real quick, Tanya, I think we have this idea of what human trafficking is and what it, what it, I don't think that's a correct perspective of it. And I just wanted to read just a couple of statistics that I saw on it. It says 40 million people globally are enslaved in the world today. That's one out of every 200 of us. And human trafficking generates an estimated of 150.2 billion per year. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. And over 70% detected human trafficking victims are women and girls and roughly one in four victims are children. Those statistics, when I read them just blew my mind, especially how much in trafficking it generates a year. I mean, that $150 billion, this is not small business. And I think people have this idea that human trafficking is, you know, they kidnap somebody and they take them away. But I think human trafficking like is in where it's in our everyday lives and we see it, but can't identify it. Well, and you know, so we have a company called community solution in our area and, um, and I am involved in that and their sex trafficking. So just to give people an idea too, as we talk about, um, strippers being sex trafficked, of course, but the biggest one in California is they bring the women over from different countries and have them be housekeepers, but they're actually house slaves. So these mm. women locked up in the house cannot even leave, cannot speak English. So they can't, even, if they do get out, they don't know how to ask for help. And so Community Solutions is a huge advocate of helping get these women out of these places. So the things that you see in your everyday life that you think are just a little odd are probably women who are being enslaved and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. 
And California has one of the biggest sex trafficking areas in this area, especially mm-hmm. in California. And so that was an eye opener for me is to just, you know, look at people in a different way when you see something that looks a little off and you're like, huh, you know, when they're kind of like afraid of things, they can't talk to you. They can't, you know, they could be sex trafficked and you don't even know it. So it's not just the, the visual, you know, we think of sex trafficking as like strippers and drug addicts and those kind. Of, it's, it could be the everyday mm-hmm. and you don't yeah. have any idea. Yeah. And you're, you're going, um, to Super Bowl, And so tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what's going on there and how you're going to be helping, um, during this time. Yeah. So, um, the opportunity opened up, um, that I would go with the organization. It's a penalty, um, for the 2022 LA Super Bowl as the U S director of partnerships for the campaign. So in just a few weeks, I'll be heading out and we will be launching the campaign in LA, Um, where we'll be hosting several different events, uh, meeting with uh, community leaders, um, commissioners, and, you know, people in the city, um, really to raise awareness about this cause and then surrounding the Super Bowl. Um, um, It's a penalty. It's founded. Our founding partner is A21. Um, So they will also be leading a huge training in which we're training over 300 plus Mm. hotels. We're going to be training them physically and and streaming. So the ones that won't be able to make it will be receiving a training um, from A21 on what to look out for, especially during the Super Bowl in their city. So it's a really exciting campaign, and I am nothing but humbled and honored to have been able to be part of this. Um, It's been a year in the work, and it's finally going to come to fruition, but it hasn't come without a fight. Let me tell you, it's the enemy doesn't want this message to get out. He doesn't want it to get out. So... You know, it's just been a, it's, it's been an amazing journey, an amazing ride. And we just, we just can't wait. So I will ask all of you to keep us, keep the, it's a penalty team, A21 team, all of our partners who are involved. I ask you guys to just keep us in prayer. Absolutely. And A21 is part of Christine Kane's organization, right? Yeah. And can you, um, b- before we just close here, I mean, first off, like, Thank you so much for sharing your story. And yeah. I think it's something that we need to hear more of. And I definitely want to have you back because I do want to talk about at Church 2, the Church 2 movement um, as well. But can you tell us a little bit about the Move On Project? And that's your organization. And so I want our listeners to know about that. Sure. So the Mavuno Project, Mavuno is Mavuno. for harvest. So if you translate it, it's, it's the Harvest Project. Um, so the Mavino project raises awareness locally here in South Florida and internationally on sexual abuse and on human trafficking. Um, we have been to several different countries since we started the nonprofit. So we've been to Honduras a few times, um, El Salvador a few times. We've been to Haiti. Um, so in 2019, when the country shut down, or was it 2020? I don't even know what year we're, we're living in. <laughs> but, um, you know, like two weeks, literally, before the country shut down for COVID, I was in Haiti raising awareness. 
Um, and the most amazing thing is that we we do travel to other countries, but Honduras is our main hub. That's kind of where we continue to nurture and build and, and really just kind of um, plow the ground there in Honduras. During COVID, we were able to launch the safe house. So now there are 12 girls who have been removed from human trafficking and sexual abuse situations. Mm. And they are now in our home being restored, being redeemed. And we just praise God for what he is doing in their lives. So that's just a huge testimony of how selling jewelry at a parking lot became something that has literally taken yep. To so many different countries and, and different states and meeting so many different people and opportunities. It's amazing. Yeah. Never, never despise the small beginnings, correct? Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, can you tell us how they can connect with you and where they can contact you? Yes. So they can connect with me on all of our social media, the Mabuno, M-A-B as in Victor, U-N-O project. Um, I'm sure you're you're gonna you're we'll gonna add that in the show notes for sure. Um and also um Tanya Andre underscore on Instagram. Um, if those of you are interested, maybe you related to a portion of my story. Maybe you had also been feeling abused. Um, I wrote a devotional. It's called 15 scriptures to help you get through pain. And it's a very non-intrusive devotional. It's just an email that goes into your inbox every Monday for the next 15 Mondays. And it's a scripture that will hopefully get you thinking and reflecting about God's love. Um, and it will help you go through some hard moments in life. So you can subscribe to that on my link in bio, um, on my Instagram page. And I would just love to connect with everyone. And, and I'm always a available for speaking opportunities, churches, or organizations that are willing to allow me to share my story. Thank Beautiful. you so much. Thank you so much for being on today. And 24 Karat Tribe, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Follow us on our Instagram page. And until next time, sparkle on. Bye, Bye peeps.